God has given us our families really for his glory. We think those little image bears bear our image. Well, they might, they might have your nose, your eyes, your temperament or whatever, right? But they are image bearers like we are God given to fill the world with his glory. And so as our families display that even greater than any of us do individually, we're, we're part of the body of Christ. We do become these little kingdom outposts where people get to see and taste and experience. I think that what you just said is really important because none of us on our own is that perfect image of Jesus. It's together a community that we really display the body of Christ most perfectly, most completely, I think is a better word. So as a family, we actually get to do that on our own. As that family grows, we actually even become more like Christ is that as we extend the family out, as we include others in, we become more like Christ. Absolutely. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Welcome indeed. Welcome back. Glad you're with me. Wouldn't want to do this without you. I hope that you're having a good week. Before I get too far into this and forget, I want to invite you to join us over in our special, awesome Facebook group for the Everyday Disciple podcast, right? If you're not in there, then you're kind of missing out on a bunch of the party because that's where we do a lot of our live training and just have good conversation and you can ask questions about the show and talk to each other about it or just anything going on in your life when it comes to discipleship and mission. You can go over to that group and just search it in Facebook, Everyday Disciple Podcast, or hey, to make it simple, you can just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook. How about that? Right? Awesome. I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll join us over there, and uh, I'd love to hear from you. That's your best way of kind of getting into a dialogue with me and others uh, in our whole world as well, okay? Now, today, we're going to be getting into part two of this Family on Mission talk that I did with Tina. That was that was part of a bonus training we did online live. That's why it sounds a little bit different, but uh, I hope you listened to the last episode that we put out just a couple days ago. It was part one of this Living as a Family on Mission, and in that, we began to tell you kind of our, a little bit more of our story and how we were living and then learning to live and how Team K was born and uh, how this you know, this moniker of Team K became sort of how we referred to us, our family at our best, but also pulled our kids together, pulled us together on mission. And it's also how people began to refer to us and and people really wanted to become a part of Team K and still do. I can remember when Tina and I were living in New York for a while, making disciples and doing some training just a few years back. Um, there was a woman who lived across the street from us, this actress, and she uh, was becoming part of our Oikos and community there. And uh, we were outside talking to her with another neighbor who had just come over just once. And we said something to uh, the, the one lady, the first lady, and we said, uh, well, hey, you know, now that you're part of Team K, da-da-da-da, we expect you to be over here a whole lot more. And the other lady was like, I want to be a part of Team K. <laughs> and we said, well, well, you get to be. And what she was saying is, hey, I loved this and I loved being with you and I want to be a part of this. <laughs> so uh, I hope you're enjoying this story. We're going to continue on today, and I'm going to give you part two of the training, and we're going to talk a little bit about what 
uh, God had to change in our hearts and some of the things that you might need to consider sort of laying at the altar or setting down or giving back to God in your life, some rhythms, patterns, fears, preferences, things like that, that he might need to change for you to truly live as, you know, sort of an open family and a family on mission that includes lots and lots of people in your family as the rings of your lifestyle and family life move outward to include more and more others. I think you're going to really enjoy this. So uh, give it a listen, and uh, I'll be back at the end to give you a few more thoughts. All right, here we go. So many people ask about how do I do this with my family, you know, and really, even if you're leading a church, like we said, becoming a family on mission, it's the starting point. You're never going to lead anybody further or faster or deeper into the gospel and into discipleship then you're leaving your own family, your first mission field. Yeah, your family really is your first mission field. And it is truly a kingdom outpost. It's that safe place you can bring others to experience what the kingdom is like. So uh, I hope you're inviting others into that. I hope that you're enjoying your family being the kingdom and the the grace and the gospel and the good news. Yeah, explain all that. Absolutely. And, and that's kind of how we started yesterday, right? We talked a little bit about, um, about, you know, why this is so important. And God has given us our families, really, for his glory. We think those little image bears bear our image. Well, they might. They might have your nose, your eyes, your temperament or whatever, right? But they are image bearers like we are of God given to fill the world with his glory. And so as our families display that even greater than any end up do individually, we're, we're part of the body of Christ, right? We do become these little kingdom outposts where people get to see and taste and experience the I think kingdom. That what you just said is really important because not none of us on our own is that perfect image of Jesus. It's yeah. together in community that we really display the body of Christ most perfectly, most completely, I think is a better word. Yeah. And as so as a family, we actually get to do that like on our own. And as, as that family grows, we actually even become more like Christ is that as we extend the family out, as we include others in, we absolutely. really become more like Christ. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, before we dive deep into part two, and I, I, I hope you know, we, we kind of like, we were a little tricky yesterday. We told you we're going to tell you the end of the Team K story, <laughs> right? And it's good. Oh, man. <laughs> it's beautifully good. Um, we're also going to talk to you about how our family after, you know, God formed us and we started realizing we were team K and people started paying attention and wanting to be a part of team K Mm -hmm. and join the party and get to the meals and come and work with us and hang with us and vacation with us and all. Um, But we realized some stuff about our own heart and things that God was calling us to kind of lay down and die to. Right. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. All right, let's get going. So, so we talked about our family why we became Team K and like a way to pull our kids together and how it became sort of the moniker, you know, that we used and people started to refer to us at our best and they wanted to be a part of Team K. Still now, I mean, daily, it's part of, it's part of the deal. You know, it's just part of the deal where Team K people refer to us as that. And if people are coming over, they're like, hey, Team K, doing family dinner tonight? We're coming, you know what I mean, right? And, um, and, and that has been a beautiful thing. It has been a beautiful thing. But you know what? At first, even as we started to realize this and open up our home and up kind of along the way, and even still, we had to kind of like set a few things down. We had to like let God reshape some of our fear and preference and right, you know? And so um, one of those first things was like our meal times, like who was there, how often, what we serve, what it costs, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> meal times, 
you know, even just the the fact of having a regular mealtime that was kind of a predictable pattern that we can invite people into that they knew when it was happening yeah. and, and, um, and that they knew that our door was open that, you know, which then, you know, of course leads to like, well, you know, what are we eating and what's our food budget look like? You know, yeah. let it really led to some very creative gospel moments. And, in, and, and would we be willing to intentionally start having one of those meals a week where we're going to have others in yeah. now, eventually that changed and it became a lot of meals a week. <laughs> and we can even talk to you about like a time when our kids sort of pushed on that a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that's mm -hmm. fair, but, but can we start to have our own family meals with some grace and predictability? And then can we maybe pick a night of the week that we're going to say, Hey, we're going to start opening that up to others. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a little taste into our family life. Now we want to have a beautiful, wonderful, grace filled family dinner night ourselves. Um, before we fight people into a mess and the kids don't like want to be there and where all we do is fight and correct and yeah. discipline and all that. Right. Yeah. Here's another one. Um, cooking skills. Some people flip yeah. out like, oh, I don't really cook. I don't know how to cook. I don't know what to do. And I, and I, let me just tell you, I grew up, my mom was the worst cook ever. In fact, I, I joke that I learned how to cook in self-defense because my mom was so bad at it. But the thing that my mom, my mom, we, there were five of us kids and we all had to be home for family dinner, but we could bring anybody we wanted home. And my mom would take whatever she had and she would make it work for however many people showed up. My mom had the gift of hospitality. So good, even though she didn't have the gift of cooking. And here's the thing. Nobody really cared what the food tasted like. What they cared about is that they were invited and included. Into the people table. want a place at the table. That's what they care about. And I know, see, here's the thing. Okay, a little gospel of gospeling of our hearts here. When we are more concerned about what people think about our cooking or the size of our home or the fact that, guess what, there's a basket of laundry over there or whatever, what we are is we have fear of man. Mm -hmm. We think that, that their opinion of us is higher than God's. And we already have his approval. He's more glorious, right? And all that stuff is connected. In fact, all this stuff we're going to talk today, a lot of it's connected to fear of man or love of self. Mm -hmm. We actually love me and my preference and what people think of me more than we love God and his mission and making disciples and the fact that Jesus gave us this life and we want to extend it, we get to extend it. That's a big thing connected to that. Now we could go many, many weeks, months, and years on that. Yeah. Okay. Here's another thing. Okay. Our personal time, like we circle, I'm just too busy for this. Well, no, you're not. Go back and think about the training. Watch the training on the six discipleship rhythms. All of life is already perfectly open for discipleship. We yeah. already live in these rhythms. And I think this uh, this whole idea of personal time, it's like my time, my house, my, my calendar, place, my, my family, preference, my, my priority. Mine, mine, mine. I feel like <laughs> it's like, you know, finding Nemo, the seagulls. Like right, that's right, all mine. they know how to say is mine, right. mine. Yeah. So um, that we have to give up a lot of money and realize it's really all God's. All and, of it. And like some of us lead our, our house, our time. And some of us lead our family like that. Like we're like like seven years old or something. No, mine or four. Mine. You know what I mean? And, and there again, some of that's out of fear. That's how we can control what others think of us is we don't let them in a lot, right? Mm -hmm. But our personal time, um, starting to live open. Like we pretty much live and have lived for decades, our whole life really, our, our you know, marriage, even before we knew a lot of this stuff. <laughs> we've lived open door policy. We just have, okay? And I know that flips you out, but here's the thing about living with an open door. They're saying, we're gonna treat everyone like part of Team K. 
We're, like we're, family. Right? We're going to treat them like family. Here's the thing about that. Once that's settled in our heart, because that's how God sees us. That's how God treats us. We're going to go ahead and treat others that way. Then we quit worrying about like our schedule as much. And we'll see who's out. And like, we figure like, if we're eating anyway, you can come on by. If we're laying around watching, you know, something on Netflix, probably you can come by. But here's the other thing. We also have the freedom when it's not a good time or we're needing some, you know, couple time or whatever to say, yeah, no, it's not a great time. Like I've used this sort of analogy and it's a true story actually, but like, you know, if we're laying around, Tina and I having a little bit of wine or something, watching a romantic comedy or who knows what, and someone ding dong knocks on, you know, rings the doorbell, knocks on the door, like, hey, what's up, brother? You know? And it was like, well, what are you guys doing? And I stopped by and we're like, well, uh, we're watching a romantic comedy and having some wine and you know, hoping for a happy ending, if you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> and and they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm like, well, if it's an emergency, we'll turn that off, come on in. But if yeah. it's not, how about we catch breakfast tomorrow? See, and so people freak out. I'm like, I couldn't live open door. Like, oh, it's going to be hospital crazy. No, it's not. It's not. Mm-hmm. And there's, you also, in the gospel, you have freedom to go, hey, you know what? That's not a super time. How about then, right? How about later or something, right? Yeah. Okay. So here's another one you might have to, like die to right or give back to God is where you live. Yeah. Yeah. If you've, you know, isolated yourself on, you know, 80 acres in the middle of nowhere. So, that, or even just, know, yeah. In a community that's like so gated up and no one gets in and, you know, none of your says, kids, welcome to the kingdom, like a gate yeah, with a security guard, like your church buildings <laughs> often have, like it says, welcome, like gates and lots. Anyway. Yeah. Right. I, we have very commonly people will say to us, we're listening to this. We want to live this way, but Boy, boy, you know, our closest neighbors, like, you know, a quarter mile down the road or, you know, or more or whatever. Right. And I'm like, well, OK, um, why don't you live where there's people? <laughs> oh, you should see our house. And so we've always dreamed of having land, you know. Well, that's beautiful. But if it's keeping you from making and actually, by the way, I don't think that does keep you from making the no. cycles. We have too many friends who are not out of the park baptizing people regularly and they live on farms. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, and they're spread out. But. If you're finding it hard to build relationships of proximity and life on life and have people around because you live isolated or the house you've chosen is is so keeping you so busy working that you got to work like ridiculous hours to keep that thing paid for. Well, maybe maybe that there again, you need to figure out maybe I need a different house. Yeah. Maybe, Lord, we're going to like lay that perfect house that impresses everybody in our dream house down, move to a neighborhood where there's people, one we can live within our means. Right. We're going to trust you for that. So we don't have to work as much or we can take a job closer to home. Just last night with a couple we're coaching who both are they're just precious and they're making disciples. They have a beautiful community going. Their family life is open. The husband turned in his notice in a school district that he worked in, but it was a county away because he goes all that time and distance is eating up our time here in the neighborhood. And I, he's a teacher and a coach. I want to be doing that right here in the schools where our friends and neighbors are all a part of, and our kids are too. Mm-hmm. And so in faith, without a new job, in faith that God's going to sort that out, they're, they're changing jobs. That's another thing you might have to go, hey, you know, like when we lived in Manhattan with people that like had these amazing jobs, like, wow, did they make the money and prestige, right? And fun. Um, but they worked like 70 hours. Or more. Yeah, you know, and, but little by little, as the gospel took root, they started making some choices different. I'm going to work less. I'm going to make a little less. Maybe I won't get to live on the 31st floor here. Maybe I'll have to like move into a normal $5,000, $7,000 apartment in New York, you know, instead of the 10,000 or whatever. See, as, as if we love people and we love 
God in his glory, and we want to see them find spiritual freedom and spiritual peace. We might need to. Now, that's highfalutin, right? Most of us aren't faced with that in New York. Some of you watching this might be, but some of us just might need to look at our job and where we live and the house that it provides and go, hey, is this, are we able to make disciples here? Like, or, or do we need to maybe like, maybe we need to, we do, but we need a little kitchen upgrade or we need to, or something, or we need to not worry about it. And listen, we have done missional communities and made disciples and made disciples and make disciples out of little dinky apartments. I'm not joking. Like studio or one bedroom. Yeah. So our very first missional community, we kind of latched on to, you know, some people apiece. And this one couple who were just like magnets, right, drew all kinds of young people to us, <laughs> you know, and they were our friends' friends and became our friends' friends and became our friends. And are still our friends. <laughs> Even though we lived like three or four blocks away and had a much larger house, they were sort of the center, boom, center of gravity. Their apartment was like three, 400 square foot. We were always in there, like all the time in there, eating, doing the story of God, hanging out, throwing birthday parties Felt like movie nights, uh, music nights, yeah. 17, 18, 20 of us, three, 400 square foot. I'm not joking. It was just no People one cared. everywhere. No they cared. didn't even have a full set. They had a cocktail table, like a high top cocktail table in the kitchen. That was it. It just was kind of enough room to stick the food. And we all just crammed in and nobody oh, yeah. cared because everybody was welcome. Yeah. Now, some for some of us, some of this has to do with like, well, you know, where we live, um, it's even hard to let me have my let my want to let my kids go out and play with a lot of the neighbors right. because they're you know they're not very obedient or I don't know the parents so I don't trust them. Mm-hmm. That might be one of the things you have to sort of lay down and trust God. There, remember, there is kids who He's allowing us to steward. Here's the crazy thing about our kids is that God actually loves our kids and cares about our kids and can actually do a better job caring for our kids than we can any day of the week. And so we have to allow God, you know, to be able to, like, we need to let God direct our parenting in this. We need to let God um, allow our kids through certain situations that we can gospel their hearts in. If we're trying to protect our kids from the world, they will never learn actually how to exist in the world. And we're doing, we're not loving our kids by doing that. Guess what? Your your kids' hearts are just as sinful as everybody else's kids' hearts. But some of those kids, maybe they've not experienced the love and a parenting that your kids are getting. Yeah. So isn't that a beautiful thing? Like, yeah, I wish we had the time to tell you the, the amount of stories of how kids who were kind of like little, the bully neighborhood kids, who we just helped our kids extra befriend and extra bless and extra invite to stuff. That's what they died. That's what they were dying for and how they became part of Team K over time and how it softened their hearts, right? And it taught our kids these valuable lessons of people who we don't necessarily initially get along with or our favorite or or whatever, um, God still loves them. Yeah. And God still put us in their life and them in our life. And you might need to lay that down, like trust God for that, right? It really helped our kids learn to look for the thing behind the thing, yeah. which is that is so important <laughs> right? in everyday life. Yes. Yeah. So. Right. So um, now here's another thing you might have to lay down. How many activities your kids are involved in? Yeah. Some of us um, and our kids, they sign up for multiple sports a year. So every season there's a sport and oh my God, and there's traveling team. Oh, they need private lessons. Oh, and they're in band and they're, you know, and, and, and we might need to lay that down. Activities are great, but not <laughs> when activities make the rules. And so now we have no space for people. There's, we're so, we've made ourselves so busy 
at the altar of like, I don't know, sports fame or something um, that we don't have, we have no room to make disciples. Yeah. And so like, like we've had, had to have these conversations with people. It's like, okay, your whole life's been consumed with soccer for two of your kids for like the last 10 years we've known you. Every soccer camp, every summer camp, every traveling league, every, 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 everything. Now, let's just say your kid is Pele or, 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 or Beckham or, you know what I mean? Like, right. I'm older. I don't really watch soccer, but um, let's just say they become the best person in the world. Is that going to save their soul? Is that going to disciple their hearts? Is that going to help them make disciples? No. In fact, it wrecks a lot of people when it comes to spiritual things. And, and here's the thing, probably your kid's not going to be Beckham or whoever, right? Yeah. Um, here's what we, we, we suggest and what we did with our kids. We said, Hey, we, we want you to experience all these things. You get to pick a sport this season, this year, right? Connecting to school and, or, you know, our public, whatever, um, or band. And if they overlap, we got to figure out which one you want. Cause we, first of all, we don't want to live as taxis. We only have three kids, but that's still a lot of taxi work. <laughs> right. And, and, um, we wanted to know that we also had the space and time to have those friends and families around versus lower well, to the next thing here to the next thing. And so I think kids being in sports is an amazing opportunity to build relationships. Yeah. So I'm not anti any of it, yeah. but when you live just thing to thing, to thing, to thing, to thing, some of you are going, I know I'm totally getting it. I, if I had time to check the, the comments coming in, I bet it is. Um, you need to like start to say, Hey, let's lay that down. And let, let me just, let me talk Turkey to you here. Here's uncle Caesar. Uncle Frank, <laughs> speaking truth to you. Some of you do that because you are vicariously living through it or because when your kids do well, you feel like you're the super parent and or you would never want to say no because you know, you know, your, your kid's glory, your glory comes from you being the super parent or you see what I'm saying or something. I want to challenge you if this is, if, if you're, if your extracurricular activities for your kids is why you could never make disciples or live like a family on mission, you're missing so much opportunity. I, not only are you missing, but you, you have to realize that you're setting your kids up for a lot of disappointment and failure because you're teaching them that the world revolves around them. You're in effect, even if you're not saying it, that's what you're implying to your yeah. children is that the world revolves around them and what they do and they're the most important thing. And yes, they are very important thing. You know, they're very important, but that is, that is such a disservice to them and it's not loving them well. Yeah. So, yep. and so listen, I think sports and extra band and extra activities like that, why all that? I think they're awesome and I think mm -hmm. they're meaningful and I think they're amazing opportunities to build relationships for our kids, for us, with the parents involved. Amen. And yes. And yes, <laughs> but you hear what we're saying. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Um, how about this? Who you do holidays with and where every year, right? It's like, a tough one. yeah. Like for us, for instance, um, 4th of July is a huge deal in our neighborhood. Okay. It's like the funnest and everybody pulls out all the stops and believe me, all the fireworks, our fireworks in this neighborhood rival some of the best we've ever seen yeah like more than maybe what the city's doing and we live on the waterfront i mean not our house but our city five minutes away is water right and th it's amazing because everybody pitches in and there's some guys who are really good at it like and and we have three firemen that live on like within a block of us <laughs> and right it's amazing and uh and parties and tents and like whoa it's crazy so guess what we try not to travel on, on 4th of July because we want to be with our people at peace. We want to be with our friends, with our community that's here. Mm -hmm. um, some folks 
you know, are missing that opportunity for, for having people over for Christmas. No, every year we always go here, go to my grandma's every year, maybe every other year. How about, you know, or every Thanksgiving or like that's big for us too. Like we, we try not to travel for those times. And so how about this for a suggestion? Um, well, for one, pray about it, right? And say, hey, like those are our family, but these are our family too. And guess what? There's people out there that don't have any family. What if say, you know, this is your tradition and you travel a lot on those bigger holidays. What if you go, hey, one year we will, one year we won't. Or one year we travel on Christmas, but we stay home for Thanksgiving. We flip it that year. We go see our family for Thanksgiving, but then we're here for Christmas to have people around. See, these are some of the things you might have to loosen up. Well, my mom would flip. Well, listen, our parents used to too, you know, and not so much my parents, but like some of my sisters. And I can remember even some of my sisters being angry with me because I would, we were, you know, I'd be like in Sudan trying to feed starving people and bring the gospel there. Or we were hosting, you know, a birthday party for a bunch of kids who were homeless, but not, you know, we're helping them out and got them in an apartment where we were like, oh yeah, but you didn't make my son's 11th birthday and bring him that 15, $20 gift. You know what I mean? But they couldn't understand. We said, well, we're doing the best we can. Or holidays, which, you know, that used to break my heart because I think, you know, so many people don't have family at the holidays and it's such a, a ripe opportunity to reach out and bless people and help them to feel part of the family. And so having holidays where we weren't able to bring people and yeah. to say when we moved and we weren't right next to our family anymore, <laughs> it was one of the blessings was that we got to create we got to invite anybody we wanted. Kind of freed us up, yeah. you know, right? In and some our, ways. Our kids really grasped onto that. And they would come home with like lists of people they wanted to invite with the, you know, for still. the holidays. <laughs> and it still happens. Like we have so many people, our kids are like, well, so-and-so's coming for the holidays. And sometimes they don't even tell us until that person shows up, which is kind of fun. But, but, and, and I think like even our daughter, when she was like living in, um, in Chicago, she chose not to come home a few like Thanksgiving, she would do several because she would do Friendsgiving because she knew that there were so many people who did not have yeah. a place, did okay. not have a family. So let me summarize a bunch of this. A lot of this, okay, is preference. A lot of stuff is preference. We need to lay on the altar and go, God, I love doing this, you know, and it's all we've always done it, but what would you have us do so we can live as a family on mission? Some of it is uh, fear of man like our perfectly clean house or our cooking skills or our kids aren't that behaved or whatever. And we can, we can allow God to change that and work on that. And we can also believe that he is more glorious than any of these people. And he loves us perfectly, regardless of the dust bunnies or, you know, our overcooked spaghetti or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Um, but we, we really, we get to, we get to lay some of these things down for the eternal purpose of filling the world with God's glory as we make disciples of Jesus and help people move from unbelief to belief in every area of life. You hear us say this all the time and experience greater freedom. That's what Christ came. He says, I'm just for freedom that I came to set you free and relational peace that's, that's real and deep and lasting. We want that for you. And so much of that's been broken out there, right? You know, our, our Western individualism, you know, uh, for most of us who are going to be hearing this today, watching this today, it's really damaged and limited our understanding and function of, of both family and therefore what the church really is. Remember, that's a big part of our identity. We get to redeem that. Okay. Leaders, I'm talking straight to you. We get to redeem that. We get to live as a model for the rest of our church, you know, family. We do. We get to model 
families as church, as the church to the rest of the world, what God always intended our families to be and kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We get to bring a little heaven to earth and invite people into it increasingly. So when you hear this talk today and you hear the life we're living with team K and all that, just know it's not a light switch. It's not like book. We got to change it all. No, but little by little, will you allow God to use you, your kids, all the blessings he's poured into you, your home, your house, your talents, your experiences, your stuff. Will you allow him to use all that for his glory? Yeah. I'm telling you, it is an adventure and it is a, a real ride that you will love. <laughs> okay. Will you offer all that stuff up to him? And will you invite other people in to your church, you know, from, from your church to join you in it? Will you do that? Will you be a family worth imitating that way? I hope you will. All right. I want to tell you the rest of the Team K story. So lots of people over the years have become part of Team K. Okay, they just, they feel like it. They are. We see them that way. They're, you know, a lot of them are part of our own oikos. We would call it our extended family, the people we do life with, life and mission with. Well, um, a few years ago, uh, our, our oldest daughter, Kristen, so our second born, um, she married uh, the love of her life. Okay. And and he's great. And we love Daniel so much. And the entire ceremony and the reception was just this picture of the gospel. I mean, they arranged the whole thing, but they're, you know, he was discipled in life and she grew up Team K. So I want to think she was discipled pretty well, um, but it wasn't perfect. But anyway, um, and the whole reception and then the the, the whole thing was a picture of the gospel. I, I got to do the ceremony from, you know, fishing, you know, you know, preach the gospel. We all loved it. Okay. And during the time when everyone was giving their, you know, their official speeches, you know, uh, most of them very, very hilarious. It was my turn, you know, as the father of the bride, I stood up and I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to officially induct Daniel, her husband, uh, our new son-in-law into team K. Okay. Right. And what I did was I had new and improved team cage shirts printed up. Someone did me a logo where it looks like Superman logo. And, uh, it, uh, it, ha you know, it's, but it says team K instead of a big S right. And, um, but it says team K anyway. And so then uh, what I did was though on the back of these shirts, I, I put Dillard division, <laughs> you know what I mean? His last name's Dillard. Right. And so, um, I had this bag and I had these shirts in there. And he's a big dude, right? So I pulled out like this extra large. He's almost a love and tattooed, just like our son. And I said, listen, man, we really can see you part of the family, part of Team K. He's like, I know. And I said, and, but right now, you know, um, you're starting a new division. And I pull out the shirts, Team K. Everybody laughs. He loves it. We turn it around. It says Dillard Division. Oh, man, cheering. You know, everything's great. I said, and you're going to now be leading this new division. First new division, <laughs> you know? Um, and I expect you um, to, you know, do well with this and, and love people well and continue to grow this. And I pulled, we pulled out a little French cut top and it had for Kristen and it had the little small little logo team and it said Diller division on it, you know, <laughs> right. Everything's great. And I said, and we expect you, you know, for, for the Diller division of team K to grow and grow. And everybody's like, yeah, you know, like we, we, and I pulled out a little onesie in the back. I had a little baby onesie with that new team K Diller division logo on it. Right. And I said, but really grow. And I pulled out another one and then another one and everybody was losing their mind. Right. Yeah. And it was a blast. And, you know, the room is filled with people that we know, believing in that yet believing that are really, you know, part of our extended life. Mm -hmm. Now, later that night, okay. A very dear friend of ours who was, was there at the wedding. Um, she posted this. Okay. She posted this and it just was beautiful, but it really sums up everything we're talking about. So I'm getting, I'm already getting choked up, you know, I'm going to let Tina read what she posted because I'd never get through it. <laughs> okay. 
and she posted this on Facebook, by the way. Yeah. So um, it says, went to a wedding tonight. A very beautiful woman married a very handsome man. There is now a Dillard division of Team K. As one additional member was added to Team K, I looked around the room and saw many people I know have been loved and included by every member of that team. There are hundreds of honorary members of Team K, and I am blessed beyond words and understanding about how thankful I am to be one of them. Love you all so, so very much. And thank you for including, encouraging, and caring for so many. I, I can't even, I couldn't even think of anything better that I no. could ever hope to be said about our family. No, God's family, right? God's family. Oh. Chokes me up every time, you know? Yeah. And it's beautiful. And guess what? That's two years ago. So it's grown and grown. And uh, the Diller division has grown. <laughs> it really I has. I do. <laughs> yeah, well, too, too, like blood, but there's a, there's, yeah, there's a, a lot swarm of people around them now, right? You know, people. Are, could that be said of your family? Would you love it to be? It can yeah. be, you know, are you leading your family on mission or is discipleship and mission something added in when you get around to it? Right. Mm. Uh, do you live open? So more and more people find a place at God's table and a seat at his family table. Mm. Right. Do you have a marriage and family worth imitating? Would people know how to follow Jesus, walk with him, make disciples, experience freedom and joy, raise their kids in light of the gospel by hanging out with you guys? We want that for you. It, it can. It can really happen. Did you hear me getting a little choked up there at that, that last bit, that story, you know, about the Diller division and then our friends post, right? What that meant to her to be a part of Team K. Oh, wow. I mean, God is so good that that is true of us in our family. That's all his grace. And I know he wants that for you too. He wants that for all of his family to, to live in such a way that people would know him and come to know him and feel his love, right? And acceptance. Oh, that, that can so be true for you as well. I hope this has been encouraging. I'll bet it's challenging in some ways. And that's okay too, right? I hope you don't move on too quickly from the thoughts you're having, but you spend some time as a couple, as a family, thinking, praying about this. If you listen to this alone, uh, would you, you know, share this with your spouse? Um, and if you're listening to this and you don't have a spouse, or um, maybe your your kids have grown and you're wondering how to do all that too, we'd love to help you with some of that. Get into the Facebook group again and post some of those questions. Uh, we, we want that none of this is exclusive to our story and exactly how it went. Right. So please share this as a family. And then also, would you do me a favor and share the episode with other people, you know, that are trying to learn how to live on mission as a family, increasingly make discipleship a lifestyle. It's pretty easy to do, right? You can just, you know, go to the Facebook group. You'll see the post, grab the link to that and share it in your Facebook group, or you can come to our website everydaydisciple.com and go to the podcast section there. Any of these episodes, you can just go to the page, grab that URL up top, boom, and then share it in your Facebook group. It'll put a little picture there, everything. It's all super easy, right? Okay, before we go much further, I want to give you the big three takeaways from this episode, like we always do, kind of condense down a few things I don't, I don't want you to miss. And you can get these big three kind of written out for you in case you're at the gym or driving or whatever, don't feel like writing. 
I'll send it to you in a printable PDF. All you have to do is go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three, B-I-G three, okay? And we'll send those to you, okay? So here's the first thing. Here's the first of the big three. Your home is not your refuge. Jesus is. Oftentimes, we can start to hide out in our homes and become pretty isolated with others, and we kind of go to work and do all the things that are, quote, required or we have to or are supposed to, and then we come home and isolate. We begin to think that our home is our safe place from others and stress and potential conflict, and we can set up unnecessary and maybe selfish boundaries that are really designed to meet our selfish needs, and we call them balance, right? Remember, Jesus is our refuge and the one we can find our identity, strength, and our wisdom for this journey and discipling from, okay? That's where we find it. Jesus, he's our refuge. Second, number two, your fear of what others think about you may be keeping you from living as a family on mission and making disciples. And I I just want you to hear this. God is the most glorious one in the universe, and he loves you completely. And he proved that at the cross. He gave his life for us for you, for me. You are his dearly loved and perfectly loved son or daughter. Let that soak in a second. Yeah, you're dearly loved child of his. You don't have to fear what others think about your not-so-perfect home or your cooking or your kids or I'm tired after work or, you know, any of it, right? It's his opinion of you that matters most, and he loves you. Believing that God loves us regardless of our missional performance, sort of quote unquote, right? You know, how we've been doing, how we feel about whatever. But believing he loves us regardless sets us free to trust him for who he wants us to bless and start to treat as part of our family. And number three, uh, this is sort of rubber meets the road stuff. And this is for serious disciple makers. So you're hearing this and you're moved by this, these last couple episodes. Make a list of everything that would keep you and your family from living an open-door lifestyle with others right now. Like, really, be honest. You're not going to post this on the Internet. Be honest. Make a list of everything that would keep you from living more like what we've been talking about in this episode. And then pray and ask God to show you if these barriers are things that he has placed in your life. Busyness, fear, shyness, schedule, lack of love. Probably not going to find that he did. Then ask him to replace these things with new loving rhythms of openness and hope that would increasingly show others his love, acceptance, and freedom. Okay? And by the way, if you're interested in being in a coaching and mentorship relationship with Tina and I, we would love to do that. We'd love to teach you a lifestyle of discipleship and mission and how to be a family on mission. We really want you to start experiencing greater spiritual freedom and relational peace today. All right, you can find out all the information, get a hold of us by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. All right, I hope that all of this is helpful. I hope you've been super, super encouraged by it. And again, maybe a little challenged, I'll bet. All right. Hey, next week on the podcast, this episode will be out on Monday. I'm going to talk about how there is no should or shouldn't in the gospel. There's only we get to and we need not. And we're going to go deep into some of the things that we kind of place on ourselves and others that might actually not be good or grace-filled and aren't helping us live on mission and make disciples. I hope you'll join me for that. I hope you have a great week or weekend or whatever till then. I'll talk to you soon. 
Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.